The Yankees are about to go on a tear just in time for a Labor Day weekend showdown series against the Tigers. And mayhem at Yankee Stadium as Pearsall is attacked and ump blows home run call. It's episode 17 of Baseball 61. There it is. There it is. If it stays fair, there it is. Number 60. How about that? A standing ovation for Roger Maris, who got number 60. Fastball hits deep to right. It could be it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Baseball 61, a podcast about the historic 1961 New York Yankees and the Major League Baseball season of 1961. I'm Dan Lavallo. We have a lot of ground to cover in this latest episode. Let's begin with Tuesday, August 29th. There were no home runs by Roger Maris or Mickey Mantle on this date. Yankees nemesis Camilo Pasquale tossed a four-hit shutout as the Twins blanked the Yankees 3-0 in front of 40,118 in Minnesota. Pasquale pitched a gem, hurling the distance in two hours and 17 minutes, walking two and striking out nine. All four Yankees hits were singles. Ralph Terry was the tough luck losing pitcher, dropping to 11-2. Former Yankee Billy Martin knocked in the only run the Twins would need with a second-inning sacrifice fly. Maris went 0-for-3, while Mantle was 1-for-4. Meanwhile, the Tigers lost to the White Sox, so with a Labor Day weekend showdown in the Bronx between the Yanks and Tigers looming, New York still led the second-place Tigers by a game and a half with an 86-44 and record. Wednesday, August 30th. This time it was the Yankees who returned the favor, shutting out the Twins 4-0 in front of 41,352. Bill Stafford tossing the four-hit shutout. Mickey Mantle slugged his 47th home run of the season in the seventh inning. A solo shot off a future Yankees pitcher and broadcaster Jim Cott to give the Yankees a 2-0 edge. Elston Howard had a home run and RBI single. Bill Stafford pitched the distance in the two-hour and 18-minute game, improving to 12-7. and seven. He walked two and struck out five. Meanwhile, the White Sox beat the Tigers again, so the Yankees' lead over second-place Detroit improved to two-and-a-half games, the same advantage as Cincinnati had over the Dodgers in the National League. We go to Thursday, August 31st. The Minnesota Twins used a five-run third inning to take a 5-0 lead and held on to beat the Yankees 5-4 in front of 33,709. Mickey Mantle slugged his 48th home run of the year, a solo blast off of winning pitcher Jack Kralik, who hurled a complete game for his 12th victory against nine defeats. Kralik walked one, struck out eight in the two-hour and 57-minute game. Roland Sheldon suffered the defeat, the rookie right-hander dropping to 9-4. Roger Maris struck out with a tying run on base to end the game. The Tigers, meanwhile, were beating the White Sox. So entering the big weekend at Yankee Stadium, Detroit was a game and a half behind the first-place Yankees, who owned an 87-45 and record. Friday, September 1st. 
It was the first day of September in 65,566 jammed Yankee Stadium to watch the Yankees and Tigers do battle and check in on the Mantle-Maris home run race. Whitey Ford started for the Yankees and Don Mossy for the Tigers. With two outs in the fifth of a nothing-nothing game and a runner on first, Ford was yanked from the game with a mild strain of his left hip muscle. But Daly came on and pitched out of the jam. Daly pitched until he was lifted for a pinch hitter in the eighth. Enter Luis Arroyo, who hurled a scoreless ninth. On to the last of the ninth inning, Mossy still out there. He got Maris to fly out to right and Mantle to strike out looking. But Elston Howard, Yogi Berra, and Moose Scalvron hit consecutive singles, and the Yankees won a one nothing thriller in two hours and 44 minutes. New York's lead had increased to two and a half games. Saturday, September 2nd. It was not a good day for Charlie Dressen, the former Yankees coach and Brooklyn Dodgers manager. Dressen was fired as manager of the Milwaukee Braves and replaced by Bertie Tebbets. The Braves were seven games behind the first-place Reds when Dressen got the heave-ho. Another big crowd at the stadium as the Labor Day weekend series continued. Some 50,261 witnessed the Bronx native Rocky Calavito's two-run homer in the first off of Ralph Terry to give the Tigers a 2-0 lead. With a score tied 2-2 in the last of the sixth, Roger Maris slugged his 52nd home run of the season, giving the Yankees a 3-2 advantage. Yankee nemesis Frank Larry served up the homer. New York broke open the game in the eighth inning with four runs, including Maris' 53rd home run of the season. And the Yankees had a 7-2 win in two hours and one minute. Terry was the winning pitcher, improving to 12-2. Arroyo hurled the ninth inning. At 89-45, and 45, the Yankees were now in front of the Tigers by three and a half games. The same advantage that first place Cincinnati had over the Dodgers in the National League. Sunday, September 3rd. This time, 55,676 turned out at Yankee Stadium for the finale of the three-game set. Jim Bunning pitching for the Tigers against Bill Stafford for the Yankees. Down one nothing in the first, the Yankees rallied as Mantle slugged a two-run homer, his 49th of the season, and Yogi Berra homer to give New York a 3-1 lead. But the Yankees blew a 4-1 advantage as the Tigers, down 4-3 in the ninth, rallied for two runs off of reliever Luis Arroyo to take a 5-4 lead. Could the Yankees rally in the last of the ninth? Mickey Mantle wasted little time. Mel Allen on the call. The one nothing pitch to make. Swung on as a high drive to deep right field. Look out now, Kaylin. He is not going to hit it. A home run. Number fifty. Mickey Mantle just hit his fiftieth home run of the year into the bleachers, and it's a tie ball game. Now Yogi Berra back takes the strike. Mickey hit it into the right field bleachers. His second of the game, his 50th of the season. He now ranks eighth, number eight among the all-time home run hitters. The pitch to Yogi Berra. Outside, ball one, one and one. Romano ties it up. So now the game was tied 5-5. 
Barra followed with a single. Manager Bob Sheffing removed reliever Jerry Staley and brought in Ron Klein, who yielded a sack bunt to Arroyo and intentionally walked Moose Scarron. After Cleet Boyer flied out to right, up stepped Elston Howard. Elston Howard, batting for Stafford in the seventh inning, struck out. Go with two away. Ellie's up. Five ball, ninth inning. Ronnie Klein to the stretch and the pitch. Right in there, strike one. Sets. Here's the pitch. Swung on. There's a high drive to left. Calavito going back. And the ball is going, going down. The ball is over. So the Yankees completed a three-game sweep of the Tigers, winning that third game in two hours and 42 minutes and improving to 90-45 and 45 on the campaign. The Yankees now had a four-and-a-half game lead on the Tigers after sweeping that three-game series. Luis Arroyo was the winning pitcher, improving his record to 13-3. and three. The three-game series attracted a record 171,000-plus at Yankee Stadium. Meanwhile, in the National League, the Dodgers pulled to within two and a half games of the Reds. Monday, September 4th. It was Labor Day, and 34,683 turned out at Yankee Stadium to watch the Yankees and Senators play a doubleheader. In the first game, the Yankees broke a 3-3 tie in the eighth inning on a solo home run by Johnny Blanchard and an RBI single by Cleet Boyer. Al Reniff notched his second win against no losses. The reliever taking over for starter Roland Sheldon in the two-hour and 13-minute ball game. And the nightcap, the Bombers fell behind 2-0, but single runs in the third and fourth tied the game, and Boyer's seventh-inning sacrifice fly knocked in the deciding run in New York's 3-2 victory. Bud Daly hurled the distance in the two-hour and 21-minute ball game walking five and striking out six. The Senators left 10 runners on base as Daly improved to 10-16. and 16. Maris went one for eight in the twin bill, while Mantle didn't play because of an injury. The Yankees had won five in a row, and with the Tigers' doubleheader loss to the Orioles, New York, at 92-45, and 45, now had a six-game lead. Tuesday, September 5th. Mickey Mantle was back in the lineup for the Yankees, slugging his 51st home run, and the Bombers rolled to their sixth straight victory with a 6-1 win over the Senators. 16,917 turned out to watch the contest, which took only two hours and five minutes to play. 
Jim Coates pitched the distance for his 10th win against five losses. He allowed the Senators only four hits, walking two and striking out six. Meanwhile, the Tigers were dropping yet another doubleheader to the Orioles. The American League pennant race was all but over as the Yankees, at 93-45, and held a seven-and-a-half game lead over second-place Detroit. The attention now, with 24 games left, was on the home run race as Mantle and Maris continued to chase Ruth. Wednesday, September 6th, the Yankees completed their annihilation of the Senators with an 8 to nothing victory. Only 12,295 turned out at the stadium to witness the 54th home run of the season slugged by Roger Maris. Whitey Ford tossed the complete game shutout for his 23rd win against four losses. It took him two hours and 11 minutes to toss the five-hitter. He walked two and struck out seven. The Tigers were off. The Yankees lead up to eight games. Meanwhile, former Yankees manager Casey Stengel, at age 71, was unsure he wanted to return to managing. Stengel was being courted by the New York Mets, but the vice president of a bank in suburban L.A., Stengel, told the Sporting News he didn't know at his age if he had the stamina to return to managing or whether he wanted to relocate back east after adjusting to life in Southern California year-round and also being a bank executive. How do you beat that? Thursday, September 7th. The Cleveland Indians were in town, and the Yankees made it eight straight victories, helped by Roger Maris' 55th home run of the season in New York's 7-3 triumph. Terry Francona's dad, Tito Francona, belted his 15th home run of the season for the Indians. With the game tied 3-3 going to the last of the sixth, Mickey Mantle delivered an RBI double, and Moose Scourin drew a bases-loaded walk to make it 5-3. A Maris sack fly and an RBI ground out by Mantle closed out the scoring in the two-hour game before 18,549. Ralph Terry recorded his 13th victory of the season against two losses. Terry pitched the distance, allowing three runs on five hits. He didn't walk a batter and struck out three. The Yankees were now a remarkable 50 games over 500 at 95 and 45. The Tigers lost again, meaning in one week, Detroit had gone from a game and a half behind the first-place Yankees to nine games behind New York. Friday, September 8th. This time it was Mickey Mantle's turn as number seven slugged his 52nd home run in New York's 9-1 drubbing of the Indians in front of 41,762. It was the Yankees' ninth straight victory. Bill Stafford pitched the distance for his 13th win against seven losses, making it three straight complete game victories for Yankees pitchers. Stafford walked two, struck out six in the two-hour and 29-minute ball game. Detroit lost again, so the 96-45 Yankees had a 10-game lead. The Yankees, by the way, had an amazing plus 200 run differential. As for the National League, the Dodgers were hanging close to the Reds, just two games behind the 83-56 and 56 Cincinnati Ball Club. Saturday, September 9th. Another day, another Yankees victory. But this time, the Bombers had to rally for their 10th straight win. Down 7-4 going to the last of the ninth, Hector Lopez, pinch hitting for reliever Luis Arroyo, tripled. 
Bobby Richardson delivered a bunt single scoring Lopez and making it 7-5. Tony Kubek walked, and both runners moved up on a Roger Maris ground out. With first base open, Mantle was intentionally walked, but Johnny Blanchard tied the game with a two-run double, and after Elston Howard was intentionally walked, Moose Scourin delivered a sacrifice fly to right, and the Yankees had an 8-7 win in front of 37,161. Luis Sorroyo was the winning pitcher in relief, improving to 14-3. The game took two hours and 41 minutes. Roger Maris also gave the crowd a thrill in the seventh inning with his 56th home run of the year. It came off starter Jim Mudcat Grant. The Tigers also won, so the Yankees' lead remained at 10. Sunday, September 7th, another doubleheader for the Yankees and another doubleheader sweep. In the first game, the Yankees used a six-run second to take a 6-2 lead, but the Indians tied it in the third, only to have the Yankees score the tie-breaking run in the eighth to emerge with a 7-6 win. But this was not just any kind of win. Whitey Ford was knocked out in the third inning, allowing five runs in his outing. Jim Coates, who collected his 11th win against five losses, gave up a three-run homer to Vic Power in the third inning, which tied the game at 6-6. And then in the fifth, Power was hit by a pitch, thought that Coates was throwing at him, and then a couple of times after Coates tried to pick Power off first base, Power complained that Coates was trying to add fuel to the fire simply because Power wasn't even taking a lead off first base and Coates was throwing over there. Both benches nearly emptied. It didn't happen. However, in the last of the sixth inning, with two outs, Mickey Mantle walked. And then two fans went onto the field and attacked Cleveland Indians center fielder Jimmy Pearsall. Pearsall decked both fans, and in fact, his teammates came out to help him. Mantle tore out from being the runner at first base. Yankees third base coach Frank Crosetti also went out, all trying to help Jimmy. And then Mantle later told the Sporting News, I stopped because I saw Pearsall could handle this himself. But it was quite the scene at Yankee Stadium. And then at the end of the inning, Johnny Blanchard almost hit a home run, but Pearsall made a spectacular catch in front of the Yankees' bullpen in right center to end the inning and rob Blanchard of a home run. It was a wild scene in that first game. Jim Coates did pick up his 11th victory against five losses, and Luis Arroyo notched his 27th save. Game two, just as crazy. Mantle slugged his 53rd home run of the season, and the Yankees rolled to their 12th straight victory, a 9-3 triumph over the Indians. However, this was a game that in the sixth inning, Cleet Boyer thought he had belted a three-run homer. He hit a ball with two runners on base, to left center by the 401-foot mark. He thought that the second-base umpire had signaled a home run until he got to third base and was tagged out. The third-base umpire thought that the second-base umpire also had signaled a home run, so he started to signal home run as well. Well, turns out the second-base umpire, Charlie Berry, was not indicating a homer. He was indicating that the ball was in play, having hit the top of the fence by the 401-foot mark in left center, 
and bounced into center field. So he was indicating the ball was in play. Everybody thought it was a home run, though. Boyer thought it was a home run. The third base umpire thought it was a home run. So the Yankees played the game under protest. And then the the crowd started throwing debris on the field. Hot dog wrappers, hamburg wrappers, soda cups, beer cups. And for 17 minutes, according to the Sporting News, which, by the way, devoted a full page to the doubleheader, particularly the incident involving Pearsall and the incident in the second game involving Boyer. For 17 minutes, the crowd waving handkerchiefs and throwing debris on the field kept booing the likes the Sporting News reported Yankee Stadium had never seen. But in the end, the Yankees won 9-3. Bud Daly picked up the win, improving to 11-16. That second game took two hours and 20 minutes to play, 57,824 turning out to watch the twin bill. Can you imagine if they had talk radio back then the way they have it now? Incidentally, that doubleheader sweep meant that the Indians had lost 18 in a row to the Yankees, who were now on a 12-game winning streak, had a record of 99-45, and and an 11-and-a-half-game lead over the Tigers. In the National League, at 85-56, and the Reds had opened a four-game edge over the Dodgers. Monday, September 11th. The Yankees had the day off, while in the National League, the Dodgers trimmed the Phillies 6-5 to in 11 innings to pick up a half game on the idle Reds and move to within three-and-a-half lengths. Tuesday, September 12th. It was on to Chicago for the Yankees, who made it 13 straight wins, capturing a rain-shortened six-inning victory over the White Sox, 4-3. Luis Aparicio had the game's only home run. Ralph Terry notched his 14th win against two defeats in front of 36,166 at Comiskey Park. The big turnout was indicative of how the nation had gotten caught up in the home run race. But although Mantle and Maris each went one for three, neither homered in the Yankees' 100th victory of the season. Wednesday, September 13th, rain intervened and the Yankees and White Sox were rained out setting up a doubleheader the next day. Thursday, September 14th. The Yankees' 13-game winning streak was history as the Bombers dropped a doubleheader to the White Sox, 8-3 and 4-3. Mantle and Maris did not homer in the first game, which took two hours and 47 minutes to play, nor did they homer in the second contest. Adding insult to injury, the normally reliable Luis Arroyo allowed three runs in the Chicago ninth to help the dramatic White Sox comeback in two hours and 51 minutes. 18,120 turned out for the doubleheader. The Tigers, meanwhile, failed to take advantage, losing to Kansas City. So the Yankees, at 147, held a 10-and-a-half game lead. For the Yankees, there was no rest for the weary. With this doubleheader in the books, it was on to Detroit for another twin bill. Meanwhile, the secretary-treasurer of baseball, Charles Seeger, announced ticket prices for the upcoming World Series would be as follows. Listen to these prices. Box seats, $10. Reserved grandstand, $7. Standing room, $4. Bleachers, $2. 
These prices, by the way, included federal taxes, but not local taxes. Seeger said the commissioner has advised the Yankees and the Reds they should start printing World Series tickets. $10, box seats, World Series. How about that? Well, that's going to do it for our latest Baseball 61 podcast. Be sure to follow our podcast in the Apple Podcast directory, also in Google's directory, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also visit Baseball61.com. And as always, thank you for listening to my Baseball 61 podcast. I'm Dan Lavallo.